This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. It's wonderful to be with you guys again, Shofar East London. Woohoo! PE as well. It's amazing to have you guys online with us this morning, and I am super excited to be with you. God has got a divine appointment with each one of us this morning. Amen. Amen. So we're in the middle of a series called I Will Build My Church. Isn't it amazing when Jesus promises something that we can believe in it? Amen. We can trust in it that he is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Amen. So I remember when I was small, I used to play tennis against my brother. And he's two years younger than me. And I used to lose to him quite a few times. I used to hate losing. Anyone here hate losing? (laughs) And I, I, I lost to him a couple of times. And you know, when I used to play against him, I had the fear of losing because there was no pressure on him because he's younger. So the chances are if he loses, it's kind of okay. If I lose, there's a lot of pressure on me. So I used to, I used to actually have a fear of losing in my life. And even the last while, the Lord highlighted this in my life, that sometimes we have a fear of losing. So we, we don't take risks in life because we have a fear of losing or a fear of failure. But I want to I encourage us this morning that in the bigger picture, we are part of a winning team. Isn't that amazing? We don't have to fear losing. We don't have to fear when things go wrong or when we do lose the little battles because guess what? Jesus has won the war. Amen. Jesus is victorious. And he made a promise in Matthew chapter 16 verse 18 and he said the following. He says, on this rock... I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Isn't that an amazing promise that we can stand on? And so the last while in in PE, we've been looking at at the four building blocks out of this passage from Matthew chapter 16. And the first one was that of revelation. If we know who he is, he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's what Peter said to Jesus. And then Jesus said, I tell you, you are Peter. You're not the product of your past. You're not the product of your failures or your mistakes or the losses in your life. You are Peter. And we looked at that last week in PE that God gave Peter a new identity. And that was the second building block, that of identity. He tells us who we are when he shows us who he is, first of all. And then the third one we're going to look at this morning, and that is that he brings us together because he said, I will build my church. Amen. And next week or the next few weeks, we look at the keys that he gives us, that of authority in building his church. So this morning, I want to say we are part of a winning community. We are a victorious family. And and that word church there is the Greek word ekklesia, which comes from two words, ek, meaning to call out from and to, and the second word kaleo, which is to call. So it means to call out from and to. God has called us as a family out of something to something. He's called us out of the world to himself. Isn't that wonderful? That's the word for church, the word ecclesia. And it's a group of people. It's an assembly or a congregation who have been called out of the world and to God. That is who we are, his church, called out ones. God calls us out and he brings us together as a team because he's a family man. He's a team player. Isn't that wonderful? God is a team player and he calls us out of the world into himself and into his marvelous light. And he brings us together as a team. And I remember when I was 
running competitively in my younger days, we used to have often opportunities to run as a relay team. Running is a very individual sport, so you know, one focuses on yourself, and it's all about your performance and your times that you run. But I remember these few times we had the opportunity to run as a team, and it was the most exciting time because we used to plan exactly who would run which leg. Some legs were uphill, some were downhill, some were flat, some were short, some were, were further, and, and each person played to their strengths. The, the guys who were good on hills would run up the hill. The guys who were faster would run the shorter downhill courses. And it was so wonderful to be able to plan this strategy to find the winning team. And, and we used to beat the Ikeys every time. So I used to, I went to Stellenbosch University. So those who went to UCT, sorry, you were on the losing side, but don't worry, Jesus is victorious, eh? <laughs> okay, but, but we used to, we used to win because we, we had the right strategy. We, we were part of a team. And I remember running my best races in those teams. Much better than I would run on my own in individual. I would, I would supersede my, my times because it was so much fun running in a team. Knowing that your part is, is not about you and you winning. It's, it's part of the team winning. And, and it was so amazing to, to, to be part of, of a winning team and to be part of, of a team, first of all. just It doesn't matter whether you win or lose, but it's part of a team because God is a team player. And, and I know in this time, and I really want to say I'm sorry for the loss that you guys have had. It's just, it's just amazing to think these last two or four months that we've been with you guys, our, our two losses have, have, been, have been so tragic in your church. First, that of Kim and now of Daryl. And it is, just, it is just amazing to see how you guys are handling it. And I want to honor you and I want to honor Jess and, and just the leadership and just the amazing way in which you guys are, are, are dealing with loss and dealing with death. And I believe there's something amazing on its way because God is victorious. Amen. God will not allow this loss in your life to distract you guys from your focus. But that's my, my message this morning. So I want to I wanna look at how does Jesus build a family that overcome the gates of hell? How, how does he do that? And I want to look specifically at the story of Nehemiah. How did Nehemiah build the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days? Now, if, if you do the study of, of, of the walls of Jerusalem, it, it, that's impo- I mean, that is impossible in the natural. To rebuild broken walls of a massive city and massive walls, not just a wall this high, it's, it's a massive wall. How did he do it in 52 days? And so I want you to turn with me to the book of Nehemiah because we're going to look at a few scriptures out of the book of Nehemiah. Quite a, quite a lot of reading this morning, so, so get your Bibles out, get your apps out, and turn with me to the book of, of Nehemiah. Because I believe that we can learn a number of things from the book of Nehemiah and from the story of Nehemiah. Because he, he built a family, he built a church, he built a group of people together that overcame and there was a lot of a lot of distractions. There was a lot of onslaught from the enemy. If you look at, and we're going to look at that this morning. But this is definitely something that came from God, and this was God's doing. Amen. Because any assignment that is from God will not be able to be done alone. No assignment in your life will be able to be done on your own. If you're part of God's winning family and you're part of, you've said yes to the kingdom of God, you will know that you need the assignment God has called you for will never be able to be done on your own. Otherwise, you're deceived. You need to be part of a family. You need to be part of God's winning team. And it's always going to require a team effort. So let's, let's look at the book of, of or chapter 2 in Nehemiah. 
from verse 17 to 20. Now, Nehemiah, just the background, he has, he has sought the Lord. He was, he was the king's cupbearer. He had so much favor on his life. God had set him up for success. And so he was praying and he, he wanted to, he was longing back for his, his, his family in Jerusalem. And he, he went to, he realized that the walls of Jerusalem were all destroyed. Everyone was in captivity. There was chaos. And Nehemiah, was stirred in his, in his heart to go back and to rebuild these walls. And so he went to go and spy out the, the ground and he went to strategize and he, he sought the Lord. And he came back with, with the following. And he said to the people there, he said, Do you see the distress that we are in? How Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burnt with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. And so they said, let us rise up and build. And then they set their hands to this good work. Verse 19. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Abonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered them and I said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. If you look at this passage, you must, and you read the whole of Nehemiah, you realize that Nehemiah must have a very special relationship with God. Isn't that so? He must have, he must have just had this connection with the Lord that, that was amazing. He was a man of compassion. And a man of prayer, a man of faith, a man of obedience, a man who put into action that which he believed. And it can be summed up in this one word. Nehemiah was a man of inspiration. So that's my first point this morning is to be part of God's winning team and and. and, and the way that God, God starts with us when, when we become part of his team is he inspires us. Isn't that so? And it comes from Jesus Christ himself. Jesus was an inspired leader. And I believe that we, we, we don't have to have a Nehemiah leader anymore. We've got the best leader of all time. He's not a man. He's not fallen. He's a perfect man, and his name is Jesus. So, so to be part of the winning team, God, God inspires us by, by his, his presence in our lives. And, and Nehemiah had this relationship with the Lord. It doesn't say in the Old Testament that he was filled with the Spirit, but I believe Nehemiah must have been filled with the Spirit. If I look at how he operated, he must have had a supernatural anointing on his life because he could not have done this in the natural. And he was a man who, who, who did amazing things. He, he literally did miracles through, through how he led these people to rebuild these walls. You see, true inspiration will mobilize and move us so much that it will inspire other people as well. When we're inspired by God himself, we will mobilize ourselves and move others into a place of inspiration. Inspiration will take us beyond the earthly reality into the heavenly reality. And guess what? God will prosper us, just like he did Nehemiah. But then there's always the enemy. The enemy... You know, whenever God wants to do something, guess what? The enemy will always try to distract us. Isn't that so? But inspiration led Nehemiah to say to his people, come and let us build. And guess what? The people said, let us rise up and build. And Jesus is saying that to each one of us in this time. He says, come, let us build. I am building my church, but guess what? I want you to build with me. 
I want you to be part of this team. And, and he's, he's saying to us and he's calling us and he's saying, set your hands to this work. Why? Because it's a good work. Tell someone next to you, it's a good work. Tell someone there in your home, it's a good work. We are part of a good work. We, his servants, will arise and we will build. But there's going to be resistance. But guess what? When there's resistance, there's always inspiration. Because Jesus is always inspired, and Jesus inspires us by His Spirit. And so what did Nehemiah do? Nehemiah chose to believe what God had said. And despite the plans of the enemy, Nehemiah said to him, guess what? You have no heritage. This is not about you now. You're not going to win this battle. It's about what God has said. And guess what? God will prosper us. Nehemiah believed what God had said and he inspired his team to focus on the work to be done and not on the distractions. You see, inspiration leads to boldness, which leads to proclamation. And he said, we, his servants, will arise and we will build. And I believe in this time where the enemy has come in and, and has come in, you know, the fact that we are here now again in lockdown and, you know, it's amazing that we can have church, isn't that so? What a privilege to still have church like this. But maybe some of us are feeling, oh no, you know, I'm missing out. And is, is this all worth it? And I want to say to you this morning, don't be despondent. God is going to say to you, he's going to prosper us. He's going to prosper his church. He's going to build his church despite all the challenges that we are facing. We, his servants, will arise and build. And I want you to say that this morning. I want you to say, you know what? Despite what the enemy says, despite death that has come in, despite despondency and hopelessness that wants to come in, we, his servants, are going to arise and keep building. Amen? And read the rest of Nehemiah chapter 3. Read, read after that and see how each one just got up and they started to build their section of the wall. Amazing. And that's what inspiration does. And I'm trusting this morning that God, by His Holy Spirit, will inspire us again to keep building, to keep doing what He's called you to do in PE, in East London, and in this region, in Jesus' name. But you see, I want to say this morning that inspiration is not enough. Inspiration is the start, but then you need something else. And so it happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall. That he was furious and very indignant, and he mocked the Jews, and he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria, and he said the following, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish stones that are burnt? You can just imagine these guys laughing at this work that these Jews are trying to do. It almost reminds me of the days of Noah when the people were laughing at Noah, doing something that seemed so weird, so impossible. And they were laughing at them and they were mocking them. And many times the enemy comes into our lives and he laughs at us. Look at you guys trying to do church. What are you trying to do? And Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, it will break down their stone wall. And they were mocking and, and saying, this, this wall is not even going to hold a fox. It's going gonna, it's gonna to break and fall. And so many times the enemy does that in our lives. But guess what Nehemiah's response was? He says, hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. 
And so we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. You see, it starts off with inspiration. But many times we, we get inspired and then, and then we lose a little bit of focus. Isn't that so? So inspiration alone is not enough. We need what is called a focus. And I remember when my brother and I were small, the same brother that would beat me in, in sport at times, we, we were inspired to build a go-kart. We wanted to build a go-kart with an engine in that we could like ride on the farm there and it would be awesome and exciting and all of that. So we thought, this is, this is amazing. We're going to do this. And we were so inspired and so excited and enthusiastic. And after a while, we realized, you know what, this is a bit of a bigger task than we thought. It's not just putting a few things of metal together. This needs an engine. This needs like, it's a bit of a design project. This. It's not just going to be a quick thing that we're excited about. And eventually, we lost heart and we kind of didn't do it. We never, we never got to doing what we thought was, was a good idea. And so many times in life we start out like that, we're excited for something, we're inspired for something, but then we lose focus, we lose hope, we get distracted, and then the enemy comes in and he steals the plans from us. And that's where we need the second thing that I believe God uses to build his church, and that is a focus, a clear focus. And guess where that focus must be? Never on the problem. Amen. Always on God, first of all, and then on his work. Two things that we must be focused on, God first of all, and when we focus on Him, guess what? We'll have a mind to work. Because that's what the people had. The people had a mind to work. They, were, they, were, they didn't lose focus. And they, they were able to build according to what God had said they must do. And listen to what He does. He says, hear, O our God, because guess what? It's all about God. The enemies of our souls are the enemies of God. They're not just our enemies. The enemies that come against us are God's enemies as well. So guess what? We don't have to fear. Because God will vindicate us. God will help us to overcome. Because they're his enemies. So where was Nehemiah's focus? Always upwards. Nehemiah complained upwards. Amen. Sometimes we must complain, but guess where we must complain? Always to God. And God will turn it around in Jesus' name. But sometimes we complain to ourselves, we complain to people, and then we start to lose our inspiration and we make others negative simply because of our complaints. And God says, complain up to me because guess what? The enemies that you're experiencing are my enemies. I've got them. I will deal with them. So how does the enemy work? The enemy distracts us through mocking, through lies, through laughing. And many times it's even in our own lives, in our own, our own minds, our own enemies. And we need to be like David and say, be still my soul. The lies that come in, be still and stop. But Nehemiah was able to keep his focus on God. Why? Because the battle belongs to the Lord. But many times the enemy says, you know what? It's your battle. You're going to have to fight this alone. And that's such a lie because it's God's battle. Primarily, it is always God's battle. When we put our minds to God's work, it is God's battle. And the enemies are God's enemies. But what does the enemy do? He lies and he says, oh, you're alone now. You're not going to beat me. And the reality is we're not going to defeat the devil on our own. But Jesus has already overcome. So let's keep focused on him and let's keep focused on the cause that we are fighting for. Because it's his church that we are part of. It's his church that we are building. So let's remain focused on him and the work he has given to us. And guess what? We will run the race. We will keep the faith and we will finish the cause that he has given to us. And I want to say this morning, that is the blessing of life together. The blessing of life groups. And I want to say to you, 
get into a life group, when we can meet again, it is important to meet in a group. Because we've got the saying in PE that goes like this, life is better in groups. So say, say after me, life is better in groups. That's why we do life groups. Why? Because life is better in groups. One more time. Life is better in groups. And you know what's amazing about a marriage and and being in a partnership is sometimes I feel down and then my wife will lift me up. Sometimes she feels down and I will lift her up. Sometimes I lose focus and then my wife can lift me up. And if both of you are losing focus, then guess what? You need another couple to help you. Amen. Because sometimes both of us are down. Sometimes a whole life group is down. But guess what? You're part of a church that can lift you up. So the, the, the key for this is that we're part of a team. And, and when you have a people that are focused on Jesus, then guess what? You'll have a mind to work. And the thing will be done in Jesus' name. So they, they were not only inspired, but they were a focused team. They kept the focus in the right way. And that was in Jesus himself. So they continued to build the wall, and again the enemy comes in in verse 7 of chapter 4. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites, don't call your children these names if possible, heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed. They became very angry. And all of them conspired together, and they came and attacked Jerusalem and created confusion. And what is Nehemiah's response again? Nevertheless, we... Made our prayer to our God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. And then in verse 13, he goes on, he says, Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and I arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us, and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. You see, it seems like the enemy just didn't want to let Nehemiah and his guys go. And in the kingdom of God, guess what? Until Jesus comes back, the enemy will be there. The enemy will try everything to cause to cause disruption and distraction and division in our lives. And especially in the church, the enemy is out to destroy the church. Why? Because he knows how powerful we are. And the enemy did not leave Nehemiah alone. But guess what? Nehemiah always had a plan. Why? Because he, he was inspired, he was focused, and he had a massive team around him that remained focused and inspired. So the resistance from Sanballat and Tobiah increased every time. First they were disturbed. Then they, were, then they despised and they mocked the Jews. And then they were furious and they made plans to even attack and to create confusion. And it's exactly how the enemy works. He starts off subtly and he sees if he can try and find a crack in our unity and in our love for one another. And he looks for a crack and then he, then he sees that the crack starts to open. The hole gets bigger and he can come in and bring division. And how does he do it? Through Intimidation. The enemy always wants to intimidate us. But Nehemiah overcame this and he put things in place and he continued to inspire his team. And he said, guess what? We are going to need to fight for each other in this time. We are going to need to be super focused and find our place in the team. 
So he continued to, to inspire his team by, by praying because the first thing they did was they made our prayer to our God. And I believe in this time, guys, we need to make our prayer to God more passionately than ever before. We see death happening, and it's real. It's part of life. But if, we, if we're not praying, if we're not focused, if we're not staying in the Spirit, we will be distracted. And God is calling us, church, to, to make our prayers to God and to set a watch against the enemy day and night. However that looks in your personal life and, and in your groups and, and in our churches, how that's going to look will be different. But God wants us to set a watch against the enemy in this time by praying. And then Nehemiah set each one according to their families. They, he put the things in place. He put all the plans in place. And guess what happened? The plot of the enemy came to nothing. Isn't that good news this morning? The plot of the enemy came to nothing. And one of the ways that God brings unity in us is when we really pray for each other, first of all, and then when we support each other in practical ways. And I want to I say this, is, this, this death through Daryl's death and through, through, through what's happened is an amazing opportunity for, uh, for church and for us as a, as a body to come alongside one another and support one another in practical ways. And I've seen it happen through, through JP, the support he's received, and I believe it's going to happen for Jess as well. Be encouraged, Jess, to, to receive the support that you need in this time from this church. Be encouraged for every one of you that is going through a tough time. If you're part of this community, be open to receive the support. And sometimes you need to call out and say, help me, help me, please, I'm, I'm struggling. And let's fight for each other, church, in this time. Let's fight for those who are struggling. Let's fight not only within our church, but let's fight for those outside who are struggling. And if you're listening this morning and you're struggling, I want to say, put up your hand, write something on the, on the Zoom group or on the Facebook page, say, help me, help me, I need, I'm, I'm struggling. And we will fight for you, amen. If you're listening out in, 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 to this message this morning, we as a church, show for PE, show for East London, we want to fight for you if you're struggling. But especially if you're part of our church. And you know what God will do when we fight for you in prayer and we fight for one another in practical support? The enemy's plans will be brought to nothing. In Jesus' name. But let's not allow bitterness to come in. Let's, let's not allow hatred to come in. Let's not allow unforgiveness to come in through, through the death that we're experiencing right here in our midst, but also out in our nation. There's so much blood being shed. I just read the news the last while and all you see is terrible, horrific deaths. And, and, it, and it hardens your heart at times because you think, Let, let's rather move to another country. Believe me, there will be death there as well. Death is, is, is just part of this fallen world. But let's, not, our, let's let, not let our hearts grow weary, amen, or bitter or, or unforgiving or hard towards people, and especially towards God. Let's allow our hearts to, to, to focus on Him and to fight for one another. And guess what? The Lord will bring the enemy's plot to nothing. And you know, at the end of last year, we, we went through a time where, where we were, most of you know this, some of you know this, we, we really wanted to give up on God's plan for our lives. I thought my time had come for the ministry, I thought it's, it's over, I'm, I'm not going to be in the ministry any longer. I, I was tired, I was, I was at a place where the enemy's plot was coming to something, I believe. But I know to be part of this family was such a big blessing. And I want to thank Andre and Sonica again. I want to thank the people that were praying for us, that supported us, the Shofar family as a whole. The leadership came around and they supported us. They fought for us and they believed in us. Amen. 
And guess what? The enemy's plan came to nothing. Because here I am, still preaching, still in the ministry. Praise Jesus. And he's moving in our midst. He's moving through us. And yes, sometimes one has to humble yourself. Sometimes you have to realize, hey, is it more about you or about God or about his ministry? But, but we had people standing around us, helping us, fighting for us, supporting us. And I want to thank the people. And I want to say to you in your life, you have people around you. If you're willing to come in to be part of the family and say, Lord, I want to be part of the family that can fight for me. That, that, that won't allow me to get into isolation. And maybe you're in, you're in isolation at the moment. Maybe you feel there's no one supporting. I want to say it's a lie. Come in, put your hand up, and we will support you. So let's fight for one another, church. Let's fight for unity. Let's fight for the love that we have for one another. And let's not let the enemy lie and tell us we're not going to make it in Jesus' name. And then the last thing this morning in verse four, in chapter 4, verse 16 so it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held their spears, the shields, the bows, and they wore armor. And the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. The last thing I believe that God wants us to remember in this time, while he's building his winning family, is that each one of us needs to play our part. Isn't that so? Each one of these people that Nehemiah gathered and assembled to be part of his winning team played their part. If you look at this piece, half of the people did this, other half did this, some of them were on the wall. Some of them carried burdens. And the leaders were behind them. The leaders supported them. So some, some, some of you will be servants. Some of you will, be, will hold the spears. Some of you are, are, are building on. Some are carrying burdens. Each one of us, when it comes to building God's house and His church, has a different role to play. But each one was focused on doing the work that the Lord had called them to do. I want to ask you this morning, how did the Springboks win the 1995 Rugby World Cup against the best team by far in the world? On paper, New Zealand in 1995 was far better than the Springboks were. But how did they manage to win? Each one played their part. Some of you weren't born at the time, so excuse me, it's going back a bit 25, 26 years back in history. But how did the Springboks win the 1995 Rugby World Cup? Each person knew what he had to do. The forwards knew what their role was. The backs knew what their role was. The, those who defended need to defend. Those who attacked need to attack. And Joel Stransky practiced those drop goals year in and year out till he needed to do that drop goal at the right moment. And how amazing was that? The coach said beforehand that you are going to need to practice your, because a drop goal is, is possibly going to win this World Cup. And Stransky was ready. He was ready because he knew his role. But guess what they all had to do? There was one thing that they all had to do in that 1995 Rugby World Cup. There was one factor that New Zealand had. His name was Jonah Lomu. And each one in that team knew that he had to tackle Jonah Lomu and tackle him hard. And anyone watch that match? And you see from the start, the Jonah Lomu factor was nullified. 
He got double tackled by Mark Andrews and Joost van der Westen right at the start of that match that he knew, sure, he's up against a team. He's not up against one or two players. Because each one tackled him. Yarpi Mulder saved the try in the corner by tackling Loma right out into the, into the t- touchline. And it was amazing to see how the, the, the thing that New Zealand thought they were going to win the World Cup with was nullified from the start. And no, they didn't score one try. South Africa didn't either score a try. But the defense was incredible because we weren't supposed to win. Because they each knew there was one thing they're all going to have to do, and that's defend and nullify the Jonah Loma factor. But each one knew what their role was. Isn't that amazing? And in church, guys, it's the same thing. Each one of us has a role to play. And I want to thank the volunteers in both churches that are doing. I just love this morning just being here and just seeing people passionate about the house of God, about doing church. Even though it's not a live gathering, we're still doing church this morning. Isn't that wonderful? And there are a few teddies and dinosaurs that are super excited. So let the teddies and the dinosaurs come in eh, when we can have church again. Let them get saved. But each one played their part. Everyone was ready to fight while they built in the story of Nehemiah. And the sword yeah, speaks of the word and it speaks of prayer. And I want to say to you this morning and ask you, are you ready? Are you always ready? Are you building with a sword by your side, ready to fight? With one hand they built and with the other hand they, they had the sword in their hand. It speaks about a readiness. It speaks about an expectation to do what God has called you to do. Now some things everyone can do. For example, giving. Amen. Giving is something all of us can do. It's, not, it's a lie to say only some people are called to give. Each one of us can give. Each one of us can pray. Each one of us can, there's certain things every one of us have been called to do. And then there are other things that, that are only for Andre, and only for Sonica, and only for, for Claire, and only for some of us. So, so some things all of us must do, but other things are specific. So the fivefold ministry, each one, some evangelists are supposed to get people saved. Some apostolic people must, must grow the kingdom. Some prophetic people must bring the word of the Lord in season. Pastoral people must look after the people. The teachers must teach the people. Amen. So, so the fivefold ministry gifts must operate. Each one must do their specific role, but there's some things we can all do. Like giving, for instance, like praying, like, like witnessing. We're all called to witness. We don't have to worry about the response. The evangelist will get a better response out of the word, and people will repent on the spot, baby. But all of us are called to do the work of an evangelist, for example, to witness, to speak the word. All of us are kings and priests unto our God. But what is your role this morning? And do you want to be part of this winning team? Because it is thrilling to be part of this winning team. And if, and if each one plays their part, the kingdom of God will advance. And the wall will be built. And, and we are so blessed to share with you guys in East London. We're so blessed in PE to, to be having an opportunity to have a new venue. To, to see how God has already expanded and, and saying, yeah, I'm giving you more space because I want to add more people. And I want to encourage those of us in this time in our church to, to really say, God, where do you want me? Or do you want me to help with the planning? Do you want me to help with finances? Do you want me to help wherever you can, you can give? I want to ask you, let, let's join together. Let's be part of the winning team that God is busy building. 
Romans 12 verse 46 says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. That's all I want to say this morning. Let us use them. It's a bit of a use it or lose it situation, seeing as we're talking about rugby now. Use it or lose it. Don't, don't lose your gift in this time. Amen. Use it. Bring the gifts that God has. Ephesians 4 verse 16 says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each one does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's what the body of Christ, the church, the ecclesia looks like. A winning team full of love, healthy and growing. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't that wonderful? That is the body of Christ working together. So what happens when Jesus builds his church? Nehemiah 6 verse 15 to 16 says, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. That's a miracle. In 52 days they got to build that wall. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things that they were very disheartened in their own eyes. The enemy's plot came to nothing. And guess what? They perceived that this work was done by our God. That gives me goosebumps. That gives me that feeling of, Holy Spirit, this is you. And when when Jesus builds his church, guess what? It's all for his glory. And people will see and hear, this is amazing. Isn't that so? What a great testimony to those people who heard it, first of all, and they saw it, that this is a God work. This is not a good work. This is not a nice work. And the enemy's plot came to nothing. They even were disheartened in their own eyes. And you know what? The devil and his demons are going to be disheartened in their own eyes in this time when they see how God is building his church, despite the pandemic, despite the lies, despite everything that's coming against the church of Jesus Christ, he will prevail. And I believe people need to hear and see what God is doing here in East London, what He's doing in PE, what He's doing in our region, what He's doing all over our nation and the nations of the world. The people will see this is God's work. What a testimony. When Jesus builds His church, miracles happen, and it is always wow. Say wow. Come on, put it online there. Wow. God is building His church. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. My last scripture for this morning before I preach the whole Bible because I'm so excited about the word of God this morning. Amen. Now, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. That scripture just encourages me and reminds me again that Jesus wants to build each one of us together for a dwelling place for His Spirit. May this church in East London, may the church in Port Elizabeth, may may Shofar as a whole, may every church where God is building, may he find a dwelling place in these houses and in these families for his spirit. And you know, when he does that, miracles are going to increase. People are going to come. People will flock to the presence of God because God is building us into a holy temple, 
a dwelling place of His Spirit. So I want to end off this morning by saying the following. Jesus is busy building his called out ones, his ecclesia, his family, his winning team, just as he promised. And it's a team that is inspired. It's a team that is focused. It's a team that fights for one another. And it's a team that each plays their part. It's a dream team. Wouldn't you agree? It's a dream team that everyone can be a part of, church. And God is inviting us. Jesus, by His Spirit, is inviting us and saying, be part of this. He is inviting you to consider where your heart is at the moment because maybe the reality is you have grown a bit weary. And that's, it's, it's, it's not wrong. It's not a sin. But don't stay at this place of weariness. Don't stay at this place where your focus is so lost that you become isolated, confused, offended, and you leave the church. I want to say this morning, if you're at that place, there is prayer for you right now. There is salvation for you right now. There is support for you right now in Jesus' name. So maybe you've lost your focus. Maybe you're isolated. Maybe you're confused in this time. Maybe the death of of people in this congregation in this last while or just the death of family members or with COVID hitting and, and so many people infected and dying, it's, it's caused you to be confused and wonder, is God really building His church? And, and do I really need to be a part of this? Because sometimes you even get hurt. And I want to say, don't allow the enemy to come and distract you because you are called to be part of a winning team. You don't have to fear Because you might lose the little battles, but guess what? The final battle has been won on the cross. And Jesus wants to turn your your test into a testimony. He wants to turn your mess into a message. He wants to turn everything bad into his good and for his glory. So I want to pray for us right now. As we all close our eyes and just consider, if you're watching there at home, wherever you're experiencing this message, wherever you're hearing it, Maybe in the, in the months and weeks to come, you listen to this again and you experience feeling a sense of you've lost and, and you feel like you even fear losing and you fear that battle and you fear taking risks again. I want to say the enemy does not have a thing because Jesus has won. So Father, I pray right now, Lord, for each one that's listened to this message, Lord, I, I want to thank you for your winning team, Lord. I want to thank you that you are building a winning team, a victorious team. Lord, I, I pray for those who, are, who have grown weary in this time. Lord, those who have lost their focus, those who have, are even feeling isolated or confused at this time. Lord, I pray for each one right now, and I thank you for your good news this morning. I thank you that by your spirit, Lord, you are building a winning team. And you are inviting people, Lord, to become part of it. You are, you are mobilizing your army, Lord. You are the inspirer, Jesus Christ. You are the one who gives inspiration. You are the one who gives focus. You are the one who fights for us, and you encourage us to fight for each other. And you are the one who puts us in our positions, each one of us. So we want to thank you, Jesus, for your presence right now all over Every place that is listening to this message, Jesus, build your church. And we stand on that promise, Lord, that says that the gates of hell will not prevail. 
The gates of hell will not prevail because you will build your church. You promise to do it. So I want you just to be quiet there where you are and just to ask the Lord, where is your heart right now? And if you need prayer, I want you to reach out to someone. I want you to put your hand up and say, help me. I'm isolated. I'm right here alone. There's no one around me physically right now, but, but help me. And that's why we've gone to all this effort to set up everything online. You don't need to have an excuse this morning. Just come to Jesus. Maybe you've, you've grown weary in your relationship with Jesus and he's say, saying to you this morning, I've bought you at the price of my own life. I've won the battle. I've made the victory complete in Jesus' name that you can have life and life in abundance. So just say yes to Jesus this morning. Say yes to what he wants to do in your life. And if you're part of his winning team, but you feel like you're losing personally in your life, or you, you've got this fear that things are just going to go from bad to worse, I want to say Jesus will turn it around. Amen. He did it for me in my own life. He did it for us. Let's just trust him. Let's just reach out to our family. Because he is building a winning family. So we thank you, Lord. Come and have your way in our midst. Come and do what only you can do, and that's to build your church. And Lord, we want to say and testify at the end of all of this that the enemy's plot has come to nothing and that you will show your work in this time. It's a God work in Jesus' name. So thank you for listening this morning. Thank you for being part of our family. We, we love you, appreciate you. We're missing, I must say, it's been a privilege to minister this morning. Thank you, Andre and Sonica, for receiving us. It's not the same not seeing you guys, but we love you and we know Jesus is building his church. Amen. And we each have a testimony of being part of this victorious team, this winning team. In Jesus' name. This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message.